blank. Well, the second I actually had that tone of voice, but you know, really when you say the word you, the other person doesn't even hear you. They're, they're in, they're in their own mode of, of we're in a courtroom now. And it's so tedious because you're right. It's just the ego saying, no, I was right at that instance. Well, at that instance, two seconds later, I was right. Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth. And that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. It's Lisbeth. It is August the 14th right now, and I am sitting outside close to my apartment swimming pool. So you might hear voices around us, but I'm kind of hidden by trees and just enjoying taping in some sunlight with a little bit of shade supplied by the branches. Anyhow, thank you for being here today. And do know that after these amazing therapy twins, who I'm so excited that I got to interview, it's very different to interview two people who are together in a different location, but I enjoyed them so much. Anyhow, after this week, I'm going to go on a two-week hiatus and we will begin season two. There is much to look forward to in season two as we'll focus on things like great communication, mother-daughter relationships, and mending difficult relationships. I'm going to have author Laura Davis on the podcast very soon. All kinds of doses of inspiration from people who are presented with obstacles and always look for the workaround rather than throwing their hands up. So really looking forward to the next season. I'm also looking forward to my next break. Uh, this little break, I hope to just rest from writing and trying and, you know, just the things. I love doing the podcast, but every episode takes a long time to get complete and edit and do show notes and all those things. So it'll be kind of fun. I'm going to go on a one-week hiatus, take care of a family member who needs me, and just focus on being in the moment with her. And then I look forward to returning and being in the moments with you. Thanks always for your support. Don't forget to hop onto my email list if you're not already there at lameredith.com, and you'll be in the know as to when the episodes drop again. It will be at the end of August. Uh, of course, always on a Wednesday. And you know, I'm on YouTube also on my channel, just highlighting some of the takeaways from each episode. And I've only been doing that for a little while, but just to make sure that my guests get their due attention for their time. I do Facebook Lives on Fridays and those will be on pause for a couple of weeks too. I think the only thing I'll keep doing is my coaching Uh, And that will be a little bit limited while I have my vacation time. Have a wonderful week. And I hope you enjoy this episode. These women could teach all of us a lot about what it is to compromise, to listen to one another, and to make sure that we don't write someone off because they don't necessarily think like us. Even during times of high volatility, whether it's the political world or the pandemic or whatever, just being sisters, that's enough to to make you want to fight. But being lifelong twins, they've learned a lot about how to accept one another and keep the relationship strong. They're a lot of fun. 
Thanks for being here. I'll see you next time. Elizabeth, this week we have a special double treat. I have the therapy twins with me today. Joan Landino and Jane Buckley consider themselves the therapy twins. They are identical twin sisters, former psychiatric providers, and long lifelong seekers who use their own brand of humor and vulnerability to tell revealing stories. They have written a book, and I'm going to give them more time to explain themselves, but the book is called Under the Hood, where the twins revealed their own mental illnesses with comedy and heart to smooth the ride. I am so very grateful you both are here today and welcome to Persistence You. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a beautiful us. introduction. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it is my pleasure. You both already have lightened my day. It's just fantastic to have you. One of the things I love so much in your description is, you know, you are identical twins. You have, ex- you have the same DNA and even between being identical twins and doing similar work at various times in your life, you've had some differences. So I want to talk to, I want you to explain to the listeners how you reached a place of harmony as you've grown and become your own individuals, but then had some pretty big differences, but start out the way you want to. Please let us tell us a little bit about your lives and and things. And maybe each time since you're twins and you're together, you could say, this is Joan, this is Jane. Well, this is Jane, and we're, I'm really happy to be here. Um, I just want to, I think one thing that should be mentioned is we were born in the 1960s, and we were given our last rights, expected to die soon after birth, Twice. As our mother as well. And, and we ended up in incubators. Now, again, in the 60s, these things are not sophisticated. Mommy and daddy look through a window only. Wasn't till the mid 70s that nurses, funny that we are nurses, um, said this is so wrong and started developing the idea of human touch and allowing the parents to hold babies. And obviously volunteers do that now as well in the times parents can't be there, grandparents, loved ones, whomever. So we each spent one month in separate incubators. So we believe that that was the beginning of our trauma. Um, Not only a lot of uh, neglect because of, like I said, the lack of parental whatever you call that touch or whatever. Um, But a lot of Joan was very, very, very much sicker than I was. And she was poked and prodded and it was having seizures and et cetera. And um, so then there was that Joan, did you want to add? No, because I'll, I'll start to cry. Why are we? Oh, we're talking about early. So, so, so that birth. was. Separate. Okay, so, so, so you're. I think we were six and a half months together in our mama's womb. Then we're thrust right. into life in separate incubators. Then we go home. Oh my goodness! And then you, as you grow up, immediately, at least in the Northeast of America in the '60s, uh, other people medical neighbors, family are going to separate those twins by saying, Oh, she's the fat one. She's the colicky one. She's, Oh, this one, you know, she has the temper. Which one is the evil twin? And that was Joan. And that just kept going through the years, you know, and nowadays (laughs) they allow twins to decide they keep them together in the classroom. And then they decide when they separate as well as I hear in the crib. 
Yes. Oh, but okay. We, I had never thought about yes, that. Yes, we were succumbed to the town of Wallingford. Not that I'm blaming everybody. Um, the town of Wallingford <laughs> said like it. <laughs> that it, after kindergarten, uh, twins are to be separated. Oh, yes. And then a couple, a year or so later, then I had a teacher that didn't want, she wanted me playing with the students in my class. So we were also then separated from recess. So a lot of that contributed to our wanting to kind of merge as adults, but then you're such becoming such different people and the discord and the fighting, uh, it just, um, escalated. It, uh, <laughs> it really did. That was Joan. Well, our traumas were different. You know, Jane, I, I liken it to, uh, I may have been in a prison where there was a lot of fighting and Jane was wheeled off to solitary confinement because interestingly enough in our careers, we found, uh, we both found that our symptoms were related to that. So if I had a lot of, uh, more men than women who were incarcerated half their lives, I found their symptoms were my symptoms. You know, maybe from previous years, I'm, you know, I might've been on a medication at the time or an herb right. that was helping yeah. me. But, and I found that in Jane, I think yes. you said solitary. Well, yeah. I mentioned we were nurses and then we became um, nurse practitioners. And so we were therapists um, as part okay. of that job. And Joan's referring to clients. And I, yes, I resembled more of a story of solitary confinement or an adoption or uh, sometimes death of a parent, you know, wherever you're sort of alone and that bond is broken or never formed. Oh, wow. yeah. So we found Did that. you have siblings in the house besides yourself? Oh, well, yes. We had the second mommy, which is our older sister, Lori. Okay. And unfortunately, at age three, she had way too much responsibility to help. And she, oh. she saw a lot. You know, like I said, Joan would uh, spike temps and um, be seizing. She'd be seizing. And years ago, they were putting a spoon in your mouth, you know, to, to, they thought you would swallow your tongue and, you know. Oh, okay. Things like so. You had seizures, and she was supposed to help. She was always, three. yeah. She was always there, yes, helping. helping. That's thing. what she was called. She actually, her job, unfortunately, was to run and get the neighbor so that my mother would have help. Our mother would have help. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was really frightening for her. I, oh, I never I'll really bet. took that into consideration during my fights with her. <laughs> Right. Isn't it funny? And probably in the writing process, you really have to think about <laughs> now the, the other person more. Interestingly, Lori grew up where um, if there was anything that had to do with a medical issue, she would kind of uh, get weak knees and crumble a little bit. But okay. if there was chaos in a public area, Lori <laughs> could organize that like I don't even like she was John Wayne. I know young people might not know. She gets you people know, riding in line. She could do it. It's so amazing because <laughs> of her experience as a child. Right. Your sister has a lot of experience in crisis management. Yes. Oh, that's yes. fabulous. <laughs> yeah, she does. And, and so anyway, one of the reasons we bring that up. So then as therapists, we, we obviously went into the profession, profession having these um trauma experiences. And I think, you know, I also met the criteria for major depression and, you know, social anxiety, or a lot of these other ones. But anyway, we learned that it was taboo to reveal your own mental illness. 
And so as... Uh, Even if you were a place of health at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to be rebels, but I decided after a very famous psychologist who is the creator of dialectical behavioral therapy, she came out with her mental illness and it was a lovely article in a newspaper I think it was the New York Times, and we just thought we could do it. And I, I'm not sure if Joan has more of a reason. I just wanted to get out of the profession. <laughs> it was too long. Okay. Thir- since 1984, I think I became a nurse, and I was so burnt. I was so burnt out, and I, I realized I should go. We totally understand retirement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fantastic. And the woman who... Uh, the psychologist you're talking about, that was a technique used for borderline personality and some other things. Is that correct? Yes. Is that what yes. she was talking about? Okay. Yes. Wonderful. So you both got in the helping fields, first in nursing and then in psychiatric work. Did you work together or were you living in separate parts of the country when you... The were- only time we were living in separate parts of the country, other than just very recently, uh, when I first got married, I lived in Massachusetts for a while. Okay. And um, and then I was <clears throat> back in Connecticut, but we always, almost always, worked in separate places. Except sometimes, this is Joan as a staff nurse. I was a staff nurse for longer because I went to school later. Uh, but yeah, every so often, so say Jane was on the day shift, and I think she had to do a double, so she was on the evening shift as well. At the time, I was the night shift, yeah. and that. Those poor people that weren't doing well, they they thought, what did they think? That I was a vampire or something? Because they said you never <laughs> sleep. It was so sad. Yeah. And I remember sometimes- Because put, you look exactly the same. Exactly. They had round yeah. the clock yeah. care from yeah. you too. One person even said, you know, I think this is against the law. And I tried to explain, no, there's two people here working. <laughs> I love it. That would be a shock to the system to have twin providers. (laughs) That really would. Now, as you got grown and as life happens, when did you start having big differences that you had to resolve? Because, and the reason I'm bringing this up, it fascinates me about your story. You talk about your differences in your profile, Mm -hmm. which I will link in the show notes. But I think we're at a time in our country and in our history where people are proud to write one another off, label one another, put nasty things on social media about how people believe, think, worship, or live. Mm -hmm. And then they log off very quickly with zero accountability. And it's a shame and it doesn't strengthen us whatsoever to live in our tiny little worlds and not figure out how do we respect someone's differences without writing them off and still love them. I think it's an art we may be forgetting. And I I wanted to hear that from you, if you would, both of you. Oh, okay. Um, I'm trying to think, I believe, and um, this is Jane, Joan can correct me. Um, I believe the discord, our fighting started when our lives were added. uh, We had a lot of stress. So I'm thinking... Um, I got divorced in the 90s. You, Joan? There's no recollection of that. Oh, Joan does. No. Yeah. So anyway, we were, I was, um, I got divorced. I'm a single mother. I wasn't getting child support right away. Uh, I had no home. Went back with mommy and daddy, let's say. Anyway, life was super stressful, I think, for the two of us. And maybe I started the whole thing because I just told you about my stress. And I think 
that what people should realize is we take, we scream and yell and take things out the hardest on the people that we trust the most. I don't think that is mentioned enough in public. I don't think people are aware of that. And in fact, I learned that because my son, I was the parent, the custodial parent, and because my son lived primarily with me and my ex was out of state at the time, so he didn't have him as much, uh, Adam trusted me the most, and therefore the acting out was at me. Okay. What I learned, and I, I have not had psychoanalysis, I am not trained in psychoanalysis, but a mentor of mine was, and what he told me was a child uh, screams and kicks and fights the most with the parent that they trust the most, and usually that's who's there with them. They know that parent's not going anywhere. Right. So I... Um, I was not only furious with Joan, apparently I yelled at my father more than my mother back in the, the day. <laughs> in your stressful days, you were mad at your sister? Why were you mad at your sister? when I can happened? start to answer that. Yeah, I'm not this sure. This is Joan. <laughs> this is okay. Joan. I, my trauma was just budding. Um, see, you could have trauma and, and not get PTSD and have all those crazy symptoms. But what happened was, despite we, us having trauma, there was some adult trauma as well. And looking back on it, those symptoms that I had, very short with others, I had intolerance, complete intolerance with who was closest to me was Jane. I used to think in my head, how could she have a different opinion? We are talking identical DNA here. Like I was going to question whether we were fraternal twins. That's how much I didn't understand how she could have a different <laughs> point of view. Sure. <laughs> but what ha what happened was I, I was just making everyone go away. No one liked me anymore. My, my husband at the time was driving away, literally driving away when I spoke. No one could, they walked around on eggshells. So what happened was I had a cancer scare, wanted help. Cause at the time when you're symptomatic, it's very difficult to <laughs> say you want help. Uh, I wanted help because right. I thought maybe I was going to die. And isn't it sad that we wait? until then right. to actually ask for help. So Jane gave me the, the most help that I don't believe other people are going to get. I wanted to uh, verbalize and almost vomit all my feelings of old hurts onto a family member. Everyone else okay. in the family said no. Well, my parents didn't know what I was talking about. They were like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. But our older sister who turned us on to this guru, she said, and it is the truth, Joan, you know that is all within you. And that left me with, with Jane, and she did it for me, and I got better. Oh. What Joan requested oh. of me... <laughs> And I didn't understand why other people were saying no, because I didn't think it was that hard. What she requested was, could she pretty much say to me, I don't like when you do this. I don't like, I hate when you do that. When you do that, I, and without any feedback from me. And I said, okay. And the interesting thing about that is because I said, okay, because I didn't want my sister to die of cancer either. Obviously that was more about my selfishness of, partly my selfishness of not wanting to be alone, alone. And, um, 
I allowed it, but with a loving heart, which is very different if I, than if I allowed it during my anger at her. It's like the cancer scare for that brief moment, like every you, like you had mentioned at one point of after a tragedy like nine eleven, everyone come comes together to the best, the highest good. That's how I felt. Like oh my god, cancer. Oh no. So the funny thing is, I tried to remember what she didn't like about me because I'm in a, a an area of self improvement. I can't remember one thing she said to me. Thank so God. Talk about- <laughs> When it's forgive and forget, <laughs> that whole thing, because my heart, I think, was in it. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Huh. I think one thing, though, that's really important is, like, she, she was able to, you were able to be heard by your sister. And even if they were difficult things to hear, yes. what was clear was you just needed to be heard. Yes. And didn't have that fear of abandonment from her. And I think sometimes... It is our fear, our our anxiety about change and the fear of abandonment and the fear of being judged that brings out our ugly. Oh, it's, doesn't it though? It so does. And, you know, here you had someone you knew was going to stick with you. She proved it. She, she did listen and did not run away screaming. And so, and I think that's fantastic. It really is. And you know what? Um, We're both still standing you know, sometimes when you feel like, why am I the, to jump to another topic of disagreement and who comes around with the, geez, you know, I, this, blah, blah, all that vomit where you have to own up to this or that. But like, sometimes you think, (laughs) why am I the only one doing this? Why am I the only one doing this? And I thought of something like, why wouldn't you be the one doing it? And why would you be keeping score? And why would you let someone else's unable or unwillingness to do it at that moment hold you back? You know, because we've seen in more recent times, uh, not our friends, but other people that we know that they just don't talk anymore. Right. And it's like they've built the intolerance has just gotten bigger and bigger like a mountain. Right. It's interesting you bring that up about scorekeeping because in relationships, and I certainly fall into this, it's easy to say, you know, why do I have to be the one to initiate? Why do I have to be the one to do the heavy lifting with difficult conversations? Why does it have, you know, and we do cheat ourselves if we go go down that rabbit hole and we cheat ourselves of growth and of relationships And like you said, why not? Why would I not be the one to be there for her when she's going through hard times? You know, we have this silly game. It's not a game. It's something we mention within our family and, you know, people kind of that married into the family or live in the family. And it's about um, a group of humans that get deserted on an island. And after the fun part of what food is, would you bring with you or what one book and et cetera, we wonder who's good at what. You know, and we already know how good Lori is at at rounding people up and getting them in, you know, their proper line and this and that. But the funny thing is, is maybe somebody is a little bit better at realizing their flaw in that interaction and can articulate it better. So why not be the one to do that? You might be the one on the desert island that um, is the moderator during a debate. 
I think when we're keeping score too, we've reached that emotional burnout and that, and we've told ourselves messages about how it means that we care the most. <laughs> I think sometimes that is part of it, at least in my world. It's like, I'm the one that cares the most. So I do all the, you know, and it's like, no, that's not true. But some of us, we have different skills. Uh-huh. We bring different superpowers uh-huh. to our relationships. So here's And Jane. both of you. Oh, oh I wanted good. to just yeah. add to backing up to that, but this is Jane again, and I wasn't doing it out of a lot of things out of love because I'm the one that was, is more like the adoption baby or the solitary confinement. Like I had to learn to bond with my child. I knew as a nurse, skin to skin contact was good, hold the baby. But if anyone thinks I felt love, I did not. It was interesting. So I fake it till you make it. Like AA says, fake it till you make it. I had to pretend. I had such a hard, a harder time faking it till you make it. Because if you, when you read um, the biological reasons of our uh, symptoms, apparently the way I viewed others as a threat. So uh, I guess, again, I'm, I'm more like the combat person too, that you go from zero to 60. So my poor brother-in-law, he, you know, God rest his soul because he's not around anymore, a Vietnam veteran. What I put him through, I mean, he oh, used to say like, you took it like a trooper. <laughs> Come on, Joan. What's the, your, Joan has a favorite what? birth sign for her. Is a Gemini. Oh, as a partner. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Everyone says, why would you ever want a Gemini? <laughs> well, our father was a Gemini. He's gone as well. I mean, no matter what I did to my father or my brother-in-law, Bob, I don't, I don't care what I said. It was below the belt at all times, below the belt. <laughs> score, oh, no. Scorekeeping, I mean, I would score seconds if you would like. I had that down. And those two men not only forgave me, they acted the next day like it never happened. So my experience and you have a third. my closeness was always, you know, seemed to be men first. Not That's why I didn't like Jane because she wasn't a guy. And also being a Gemini, Jane was close, being the twin sign. But then who did I go with after my first husband? I went um, with a Gemini and we... We, I'm going to say we, we haven't let go of him today. He's still in our lives. And we were just discussing last night that that Gemini, who's the only Gemini alive right now, is the only sleepover we would allow at this point. So yeah, I love Gemini. How we got on that topic, I can't Well, everyone loves a Gemini. And then I hear you could only have one in your life. Yes. Because it's kind of... It's difficult because they're the split personality, you know, they can fly off the handle. They love the center of attention and Hmm. they know best and stuff. But anyway, we had three, if you'd count them. That's wonderful. Wow. Well, tell me about the process, which writing a book is a very turbulent process, especially if you're dealing with your childhood, mental illness, trauma, all the things. That's always difficult. But when you're writing it, co-writing it with a sister that you've had plenty of differences with, mm-hmm. how did that process get go for you both? Uh, at first, there was a lot of throwing of things, <laughs> you know, like pens, pencils, paper was scrunched. You know, if I had a match, I'd burn it right in front of everybody to show how angry I was with that version. What I want to tell people is not only can you have a difference of opinion with somebody, when you grow up with siblings, just remember they have a different, a completely different view of the same scenario 
growing up. And that's why a lot of people fight a lot is because, you know, you're, they're saying, well, that wasn't my, that's not my memory. Yeah. It's not your memory. And, and okay. It's okay. This, we all know. Right. And that's why cops separate us at a crime scene. Anyway, <laughs> um, there was a lot of throwing at first, but then I think what we did was, um, we did that thing called what do presidents do Com- compromise or, you know, people get mad. Why'd you do that? I think it's compromising. So even though you don't agree with it all, there was some compromise. We had to. We're twins. You had to compromise. We sort of had a little rule, like if it was, um, I if, this is Jane, if I was telling a story, my version of the story, you know, it gets to be my version, and, and then Joan gets her version, and then if it was something that had to do with the other one, like you kind of let it go. Because you just asked me something about one of those things. It's so weird. But anyway, we wanted to write the book, not only to come out with our our mental illness and and stuff like that, but just the discord and how people can kind of come back around. When it it was pure hate on my end, this Jane again. Uh, Let me tell you how much pure hate it was. Right outside my door, well, not quite right outside, but go down my apartment at the t- at the time when I think I felt the darkest hate. Now, remember, I also suffered from major depression and must have had one at the, you know right around the same time. That I wa- was walking out, and there was a perfect circle, as if you wanted to flatten a basketball. And I thought they were like flies, but I don't know what's. I'm not good at, with the insect world because they weren't flying and it might have been a fly hatched a bunch of little flies that couldn't fly yet. And so I viewed it as darkness. It was all moving. It was like a horror flick. And that sort of jump started me to stop being um, negative because I felt negative depression. I felt a darkness and I thought I was going too far programming my brain to where I couldn't reboot it or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. And I heard in the background, anything to add to that? What was the question? Very interesting. Well, we, I was extremely negative too. That another thing is when you're arguing with people, like just darkest. own up to something. The most, moment. the most of the times it's our ego and we don't even want to admit our darkest moments. So if I said, Oh yeah, I, I, I suffered from anxiety, blah, blah. Did I suffer from depression? Of course I did. What woke me up was I not only had a plan on how to kill myself, I had that major word that you ask in the profession. I had access to my plan. That's where it's a danger. Everyone might have suicidal thoughts here and there, but we're never concerned unless we know that person has access to that. Anyway, that's how come I, I mean, it really jump-started it. So life is extremely short. And if you, if you're having discord and you, you're sad at night, be that person. You know, a lot of times you don't even remember what you were arguing about. Right. That is a very good point. You don't remember what you're arguing about. The other thing I always think is none of us really know everything, do we? I know. So we may have some strong values and opinions, but we're doing our best guess here. Right. And it is a fleeting, fleeting life that we're living. And it's unfortunate to dig in to things that may hurt other people simply because you feel like I'm convinced I'm right. And so I have to tell myself this all the time because I'm always convinced that I'm right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because otherwise, don't you feel a little crazy? Like, I think, you know, I swore it was this way. Yeah. 
Right. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, you do forget a lot of the details. So in, if you're going to go back and try that old-fashioned psycho babble, Joan, <laughs> Joan, I felt blank when you blank. Well, the second I actually had that tone of voice, but, you know, really when you say the word you, the other person doesn't even hear you. They're, they're, in, right. they're in their own mode of, of we're in a courtroom now, and it's so tedious because you're right. It's just the ego saying, no, I was right at that instance. Well, at that instance, two seconds later, I was right. So you know what I try to do now? And Joan and I um, both tried, I believe we both try to do this is just for a moment, take a step back and change your point of view on the whole topic change your perception on how you view your your the person that's important in your life you know uh, sometimes imagine that today is the day you know they said today's the day we're all gonna get killed or something you know is that how you want to spend it hey you know what in 1982 at approximately 5 22 a.m i was right <laughs> <laughs> there was a comedian a comedian said do you want to be right or do you want to be happy and you know right. most of us want to be happy <laughs> oh that is such a good point most of us want to be happy it's it's a lot of work to keep up our self-protective mode and to armor ourselves with being right being righteous and being judgmental it's it's tempting i mean yes. i think we're encouraged to do it every day, whether it's advertising or reality t- television or just the way politics and the world is going now. But it's exhausting and it's not going to get us as far as if we remember to do our best to remember the other person's point of view. Absolutely. Well, yes. Did, how did book promotions go and where can people find out more about Under the Hood and about connecting with the both of you. Oh, wonderful. Well, we're therapy twins. It could be two words or one word when you Google or or safari.com. And um, our book, we decided to go initially with the, not audio, what is it? An e-book. Okay. And it is for free right now on Kindle Select. Oh, love it. And if you're a friend or family member say doesn't have it if you have kindle select you can share the share book the somehow. book somehow you share it and they have two weeks to read it and when it's not so free it. it's 3.99 i think correct okay that's a very reasonable price well Less it's a very copies. reasonable book <laughs> joan will tell you it's under, it's un, way under 100 pages it's i don't know if it's 56 it's, or 40 it's, so, it's yeah it's it's about that because we both i i don't know how many self-help books joan bought i bought so many it's too hard it is tr- for me the truth traditional ways. It was too exhausting. So what we came up with was a handful of little, helpful, easy, doable things to get get you started. And if you're anything like us, it's ADHD friendly. You could just open that book and start. That's what most people said they liked about it. It was a quick, easy read, and they, they kept referring back to it as well. And I guess it's laugh out loud funny, a couple of people have said. And it has prevented well, two suicides that yes. we know of. Yes, it has prevented two. Oh, Perfect. that's beautiful. Yes. You. <laughs> I love that you said it's ADHD friendly. That's important because, you know, increasingly, we have shortened attention spans yes, we these do. days. 
And so it's really important to keep it short and sweet. I love that. Yes. Well, so people can connect with you at thetherapytwins.com. Yes. And also order your book and see what else you're up to. Thank you. And I so appreciate having time with the both of you today. Thank you for this. I think Thank the you. listeners will get some good takeaways. We are like Facebook. It's not the Facebook. So it's Therapy Twins. The old website was the. So it's okay. just simple now. Yes. And Instagram too. Therapy Twins. Yes. yes. Good. Okay. Excellent. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much and have a beautiful day. You as well. You too. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.